A Show. Where smart is the new sexy. And now, April Hunter. Hey, what's up, A-Show listeners and A-Show watchers? Now, today, April Hunter is on the road. It's Thanksgiving week, and, uh, you know, I'm going to be running around doing things, so we're going to be off this week. So, what we figured to do is maybe go back in time. We're going to actually go back to September 21st, 2021. This is old school A-Show. We're going to have April Hunter with our boy Aaron Stevens and we're going to be sitting down well not we I wasn't there <laughs> they're going to be sitting down with WWE Hall of Famer Mick Foley yes mankind I want you all to have a nice day um, with that being said listen happy Thanksgiving God bless you all we will be back next week and uh, have fun enjoy your friends and family if you don't have any friends and family close to you, you always have us, Big Ray, and of course, the wonderful, the beautiful, the incredible April Hunter. Happy Thanksgiving to all our American listeners and to all our international listeners. We'll be back next week. We love you. And God bless. Enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. Um, welcome to a very, very special edition of the A Show. Actually, this is just i mean i'm i'm very humbled to have a guy like mick on here um mick has been such a uh a supporter of mine uh which has always kind of blown me away but um far more importantly than that mick has always been a a first class human being a stand-up guy and uh somebody that you know i i think outside the ring uh i i really wish more people you know had his uh his take on life shall we say uh, let's see. We have the <laughs> Canadian spaceman. Um, oh, hello, thank you, so, well, Frank. I appreciate that. Hello, that, hello. That means the world to me. Thank you. Um, <laughs> well, please don't pee your pants. Um, A triple boob off. We have the <laughs> Canadian spaceman. Um, oh, hello, thank you, so, well, Frank. I appreciate that. Hello, that, hello. That means the world to me. Thank you. Um, <laughs> well, please don't pee your pants. Um, A triple boob off. What is that? that I think that's what do? you mean, uh, Trevor. Oh, I think with Mick Foley because you mean oh, triple peck flex. Yes. So I apologize for being late, you guys. I had uh, work earlier today. And we got sidetracked and we got to talking and uh, next thing I know, I'm like, oh my God, you got to get out. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm like, leave. We have to go live. <laughs> yeah. But so she should have come on the show too. Like well, she's hosted the I show. I told her. Yeah. I said, do you want to stay? And she's like, no, no, I won't stay. I'm like, oh, you can. I'm like, yeah, choose, choose something. You either have to stay or you have to go one or the other. <laughs> <laughs> So it's nice oh, to see yeah. you guys here, especially in the middle of the day. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, this is great. Thank you all for joining us right here in the middle yes. of the day. This is uh, this is pretty cool. This is something that, uh, yeah, you know, I, I'm cool. genuinely flattered that all of you are are here to check us out. Check out Mick. Um, yeah, I, I was just saying before you came on, um, just what a what a wonderful human being Mick is, and I just wish more people in the industry were like him uh, outside of the ring. You know, in, in terms of uh, just how genuine 
and uh, and thoughtful he is. And at the yeah. same time, you know, he really does. Uh, he he's one of the good guys. You know, he he's he's on the good guy team, shall we say? He he's genuinely like that too. Yeah, I mean, genuinely yeah. like that. He's always mm -hmm. been like that. Mm -hmm. Like uh, when I God, I met him way back when we were in Boston for mm -hmm. the first time, and I was amazed how tall mm -hmm. he is. I mean, he's a tall, tall guy. Yeah. And uh, oh yeah, someone said I'm coming to Allentown. I am coming to Allentown on Sunday. Mm -hmm. That just that just happened. So yes, I will be in Allentown on Sunday and New coming here in Allentown, Saturday. like the Billy Joel song. Coming here in Allentown. Yeah, yep. I can't do that. But yes, I will. I will be there, and I'm super excited mm -hmm. to be up in the Northeast again. But yeah, I met I met Mick uh, backstage uh, Boston, mm -hmm. and came up to like his here to his like here on him. And yeah, a, a lot of those, you know, back in the day. It's funny. I was having this conversation with Wade Barrett. Uh, well, over a year ago now, I guess. Um, yeah, they're big, like big dudes. Yeah, like we were like the last generation like way, way like of like big people that everyone's like super small now or just average size it's it's, it's pretty mm -hmm. crazy um to where you had like you know guys like chris jericho who are you know jericho's not short um but like he was considered a smaller guy um, he's my height, right he's like six feet i think maybe oh, i was really i thought he was maybe, maybe six feet five eleven or something like that um mm -hmm. but um yeah it's just a, a little nuts now how um you know, guys are shorter, but like I, Kurt Henning, the first time I met Mr. Perfect, I was amazed. I was like, whoa, he's super tall. Mm. So, yeah. Jake the but Snake. Just, yeah. Yeah. Jake is taller than me. Jake's massive. like six, five. Yeah. He's massive. Yeah. Um, so well, that's cool. But um, so, uh, yes, going forward, um, now we have so much to talk about. This is a very special edition of the A Show. And again, uh, mm -hmm. I've already thanked everyone for joining us, but I think as we have more people kind of filing in now, um, it's the middle of the day. It's technically, hey, it's the middle of the week, smack dab in the middle of the week. Mm -hmm. But um, we have a wonderful, wonderful um, guest, Mick Foley's joining us. And it's uh, it's for a pretty serious topic. And it's something that I think uh, both you and I can relate to on a very, very personal level. And, um, you know, Mick is doing everything he can with the, uh, you know, the, the shirt off his back, which we'll talk about that. Um and uh and again just kind of like our own personal experiences with suicide and um yeah. so yeah so i don't know if mick is ready to come on um I'm, colin, I'm do you want, right now you want to do the music intro right now so colin how about this how about we hit the music let's get us introed and then we'll see where we're at you know how everyone here knows how i like to call things on the fly right it, it's organic production as we say so whatever organically happens so call if you want to hit the music we'll get this thing started mm -hmm. Welcome to the most important podcast you are listening to right now. The A-Show with April Hunter and Aaron Stevens. Welcome to The A-Show. Uh, for those of you that are just joining us, like within the last 15 seconds, thank you very much. For those of you that have been on here uh, for about, I'd say the last, you know, uh, seven minutes exactly on the dot. I just saw it right up there. Yeah. Uh, thank you as well. Um, special guest today, Mick Foley. We're going to be talking about a lot of things, uh, but we're going to be uh, talking a lot about uh, suicide awareness, suicide prevention, mental health. Um, you know, we have a spectrum of guests and we cover a spectrum of topics. 
Um, we had Trevor on the NWA champion, Trevor Murdoch. We had a wonderful show and talked about uh, Trevor and I, you know, going into a house with some firearms and everything and trying to, you know, we, we caught a guy named Thieve and Charlie and Eldon, but uh, listen to the show. I highly recommend that. But, uh, but today we're going to get a little more serious um, because it's something that I think, especially now with the, the temperature uh, of society and uh, kind of what's going on out there. Um, I, I think we all need to talk about, um, you know, I, I think um, suicide awareness, suicide prevention is something that it needs to be discussed more because nowadays, especially with the way the world is, uh, more and more people, they're deciding to to take that way out. And um, it, it's funny because a lot of people, they think, oh, suicide is the easy way out. Um, you know what? I don't agree with that statement. Um, how no. do you know how hard I, I can only imagine to, to get to that point and, um, where you actually follow through? I mean, I have struggled with thoughts of suicide myself. Um, everyone has, yeah, everyone the, the has. First, yeah. Um, like 98% of the, of the population has, and yeah, I mean, and that's, we're again, not allowed to nine, talk about it. Yeah. Can't even talk to therapists about it. 98% of the population. Um, so it, look, it's something that we got to just get out there and, you know, to get to the point where you're even thinking about it is it's a horrible place. Um, and then to get to the point where you actually do it is something, again, I can't comprehend because, um, it really, really is just, a it's a, just a horrible, horrible thing. And, you know, it's what a, the people that you leave behind. Um, it is like the ramifications, right? And, and whatever makes somebody not, whether it's pull the trigger or however they decide to take their life, um, you know, when you get to that point and you, you're really thinking about doing it, whatever kind of brings you back in, whatever says, if I do this, my parents will, it'll crush them. It'll crush my spouse. It will crush whoever, right? And, you know, for some, it's that. For some, it's maybe something else. Um, you know, why do we get to that point? What brings us back? How do we stop from not getting to that point? And that's hope. what I think, you know, will... Finding we'll, hope. Yes. Finding yeah. hope. Because... I would say nobody wants to die. They just don't want to live as they've been living and they mm -hmm. can't find a way out. They don't have hope for the future. So sometimes if you mm -hmm. speak to other people, mm -hmm. they can help you find that light at the end of the tunnel. Whereas we keep telling ourselves the same story over and over and over again. After a while, we start believing that, you know, so if we, if we actually mm -hmm. yeah. reach out to people and tell them, Hey, you know what? I don't see a way out of this. I don't have any hope. It's looking mm -hmm. kind of dark. I'm, you know what I mean? I'm stuck between a rock and a hard place. I'm not, I'm not feeling like going on. Talk mm -hmm. me out of this because I kind of, I don't see the point anymore. If you if you're real honest about it like that, you never mm -hmm. know. You might actually have somebody show you the way. Yeah. Um, and, you know, look, a, a lot of it, in my opinion, is 
and I, I'm, I'm going to say this, right? I'm, I'm not, we're in a time and, and everyone here that they know my kind of social beliefs, right? Where, um, be who you want, be what you want. Just don't hurt anybody else. Um, but as a male, uh, it's, it's <laughs> really, really kind of conditioned in, in, to not really share feelings like this. Like we have to be very kind of strong and, you know, just not, not show emotion that much. And, um, and even in corporate culture, right now, this goes beyond male, female stereotypes. This is like, you know, in the corporate world, you know, everything's great. And you, you have to kind of put on this, this air of not only false bravado, but, um, you know, false, happiness or or false tranquility and as human beings we're, we're simply not wired good. yeah we're simply not wired to be like that um i remember in, in wwe specifically um there was a guy that was um uh, in talent relations and like got a talk like to say oh yeah you know you want to know how to politic when someone asks how you are say oh never better never better living the um, dream yeah living the yeah. dream brother and that's a very yeah. stupid statement, by the way, that this living the dream stuff. Okay. Just, just stop with the living <laughs> the dream stuff. Enough. Enough. Okay. That, that's on a side note. That's, that, that's real. That's I only just, say that when I'm sarcastic. Just stop it. You know, I yeah. Know, like, know. It should be used only to be sarcastic, to make fun of people who say living the dream, in my humble opinion. Yeah. But, <laughs> uh, honestly, um, I, I, I agree with you. I think guys have it uh, really difficult. Like, guys there's a certain kind of, I don't know, bullshittery that's uh, on men in a Mm -hmm. lot of ways. Like Mm -hmm. men are not allowed to, they, they wear a certain Mm -hmm. weight on their shoulders. And I don't know if that's Mm -hmm. them just putting on there or society putting on there. They say middle-aged men are the loneliest group in the world. When I get to middle age, I'll, uh, I I know you don't know where that is, but yeah, they say this is, they're, they're very lonely. Uh, that you know, everybody's worried about dealing with the family, the kids, this, that. Mm-hmm. Nobody's reaching out to each other. The mm-hmm. friendships are, you know, mm-hmm. not necessarily there anymore. You know, there's there's things that need to be done, mm-hmm. and it's 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 disheartening. And and all the the quarantine and the the strife that's going on right now with the disliking between one group and another group. Mm-hmm. That's that's bothering me as well you know all the, the hatred and stuff and we need to reach yeah. out and find the hope you know absolutely and uh again where you know especially in 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 my opinion the not i'm not going to say all but a very large amount of or a very large percentage of mainstream media um simply wants us to pay attention, right? Because they, they, they want us to engage and they use, you know, fear as the primary tool to get us to do that. And yeah. fear, you know, it, it's, they divide, right? Where look, people are going to have different beliefs, right? Let's take the vaccine. Some people say you should be vaccinated. Some people say you shouldn't. Then there's science, right? Where we can all get behind science, but the the information has been so skewed that people don't know who to believe in. And like, yes, like we'd like to trust science, but how can we when, you know, we're not being told the truth, right? So this, this is just all something 
that adds to the stress, right? Where anxiety. people are being divided. Anxiety. The anxiety. Yes, anxiety. My God. It I mean, depression. I am. It's mm -hmm. not, not the uncertainty of not knowing what's going on. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, that's tough. So, trying to live in the now and, and, and find your people and find your support mm -hmm. network. And, mm -hmm. you know, if you're spiritual, find your, find your, your spirituality, go out for a walk in nature, center yourself, ground yourself, you know, lean into your, your friendship, rekindle mm -hmm. your friendship, find new friends, yeah. go out and join, you know, go to the meetup groups uh, yeah. in your area for things that you like to do. You know, yeah. it's important. We're social creatures, so it's important to connect. So even if that's online, getting on, like uh, I have a writer's group on, on Thursday nights. They do what's called quarantini, and everybody sits around for two hours, and they do a writing thing, and we can all see each other. We all talk to each other. You know, it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's surprising. And speaking of, I see all you guys in here. I've seen lots of questions that you guys are, are making or are, are asking. Um if you are looking for older episodes where we do cover some of the questions that you're asking, you can support us on Patreon. Mm -hmm. It's uh, patreon.com, uh, the A show. And there are quite a few free episodes on that, on there too. Just kind of dig around and you'll find them. So you can go back and look in there. Mm -hmm. You'll also find our episode uh, to Daphne on that show or on that show on that page. Mm -hmm. Sorry. I didn't have enough coffee yet today. Aaron's a little more awake than I am. So uh, you can find us on there and we do appreciate you supporting us very much. It keeps us going. Um, and I, uh, every, every week we are on Tuesday nights live on this channel on Twitch TV, the A show and also on YouTube. And then it goes onto our Patreon page. So thank you for being a supporter here and there. We appreciate it. So uh, Chuck mm -hmm. says, love your Patreon. Thank you. We love you for being on our Patreon. Oh yes. That's so cool. Thank you. So, but yes, we like to tackle all kinds of uh, topics. We always say expect the unexpected. So mm -hmm. we try not to shy away from anything. And we're kind of a try. We like to think that we're a moderate voice of reason <laughs> in an, uh, in an unreasonable world right now. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and you know what the thing is, we constantly say like, right, we're, we don't have all the, I mean, no one has all the answers, but we're not going to make believe that we do. Right. We're not going to say, this is what's going on. And it, you know what? The reality of it is, who really does know, but we can, and, and I say we, I'm talking about April and I, Colin, and, and all of you, because like you're definitely part, you, we're, we're all on the same team here, where you guys are just as much part of the A show as as us. You, you guys are the patrons with a capital A, you know what I'm saying? So mm -hmm. we can research and like, what do we think the best decision is, right? And, and I'm not going to just kid, turn this into a vaccine thing. I'm talking about with everything, right? Like, who to vote for in the election, who to, you know, who to go to in, in terms of to seek medical help. Like there, there's so many different things, but I, I think the a common denominator that has been all but lost is basic civility. It's respecting somebody else's opinion. And when you want to engage in a discussion, like we, we live in a world, right, where we say, okay, it's it's not cool to judge, right? This is an objective moral truth. Right? <laughs> or bully. Like I, we say it's not yeah. cool to bully, too. Yes. Yes. So, like, <laughs> I, I, I've i kind of um, talked about, like, that, and I, I have talked in the past about those objective moral truths, right? The things that, as human beings, we innately know, right? Like, it is 
racism is not okay. Discrimination is not okay. It's not okay to go, you know, walk down the street and just murder somebody, right? Like, like all these things are not okay. Um, and I think civility is one of those things that like, we, we need to give people the benefit of the doubt, right? When we live in a world that says, do not judge, don't judge a book by its cover. Okay. So if someone expresses a political opinion, right. Or on an issue, you know, you immediately cannot, in my opinion, I'm not saying all of you do this, but I'm saying that there are people that do this where they express an opinion that is contrary to what someone else believes. Um, they are automatically attacked and the assumption is made that this person, you know, um, hates a certain group of people is, you know, has an, an arsenal of guns at home, uh, et cetera, et cetera, to where they have no idea what this person's like, right? It was just a simple opinion and, you know, vice versa. If someone expresses, um, an opinion like, Oh, you know what? I, I think we should take a vaccine, right? Well, don't judge them and saying, oh, you're a, you're a sheep, you're this, you're that, because maybe they did research, maybe they have, you know, underlying medical conditions that behooves them to get it, right? We need to just have civility, have room for a dialogue, and have respect, respect each other enough as fellow human beings, as members of the human race, to not attack, to engage, to truly listen and to hopefully find some middle ground, right? And if you can't find the middle ground, then you know what? Agree to just disagree and don't necessarily go after them and, and, and don't bastardize them. So that's just my humble opinion. Yeah, and I'm, uh, I'm trying to reach Mick at the moment. I don't know if he, he did say he was traveling today. Okay. So he has this time slot between his flights uh, checking in the hotel and then his show. So mm -hmm. I don't know if he's running late or mm -hmm. I don't know. So hopefully, okay. you know, he'll log on when he can. So, well, you know what? Okay. That. So hopefully Mick logs on when he can. Uh, you know what, then if we have an amazing opportunity uh, with people here. So here's what I would like to do. I'm, I'm seeing in the comment <laughs> section, but, oh yes, there we go. Hopefully Thank not. <laughs> uh, um, that's so funny. Um, so how about we do this? Um, with all, if this is okay with you, April, and you, Colin, let's use this opportunity as we're waiting for Mick to come on. If any of you have any questions, if any of you have ever struggled or dealt with suicide, um, whether it's like, you know, the the thoughts have kind of came into you or you've been affected. Someone, you know, and love uh, has kind of fallen victim to suicide. If you guys would like to share in the comment section um, and kind of maybe share a little bit of your story, uh, let's all discuss this. And, and if anyone is struggling right now um, and April, myself, Colin, and the rest of us can help, uh, let's go ahead and do this. So, you know what, just type away. Yeah. Um, and let's, um, you know what, let's use this as a positive. Yeah. I've, I'll be honest. I have a few times. It's, mm -hmm. um, with being, having bipolar disorder, I feel mm -hmm. like suicidal thoughts have kind of mm -hmm. always been there. They're almost like old friends at this point, mm -hmm. but sometimes 
having thoughts like that can make you feel more alive because sometimes people honestly don't start living until they start dying. So they don't start hmm. appreciating life until they realize they aren't really getting too much more of it anymore. Hmm. So when you do, this is a silver lining of having suicidal thoughts for those of you who have had them. When you do have suicidal thoughts, try to use that to your advantage. So in addition to finding the hope and the, 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 the light at the end of the tunnel, try to use it to remind yourself that in a way that you're like a cat, you get nine lives and to go back into life after that and to really fucking live it, you know, Mm -hmm. Don't just trudge through. If you can, if you, if you can, if you can, don't just trudge through treating every day as though you get a million of them. Treat every day as though you might not get a whole lot more. You mm -hmm. never know. So really like embrace life and taste your food and go outside and play and pet the dog and mm -hmm. tell people you love them. Yeah. And then, inadvertently through those actions, you'll start finding the hope and the love and the reasons to, you know what I mean? They start, it starts coming to you. Yeah. I don't know if that makes sense. Does that make sense? I, I really think it does. Yes. It's um, again, finding the joy there. Um, so uh, actually Frank's uh, pickled barrelous, I, I think. Um, yes. Yeah, so, and uh, okay, so yes, there we go. Um, so you know what? Okay, Frank. First of all, thank you for sharing that. Um, that's that's really brave of you to do that. Um, and you know what? Like that's that's another thing, right? To where, you know, people that are struggling financially, they say, "Oh, how?" Let, Robin Williams. All right. Robin Williams, uh, you talk about somebody at the top of the world, right? Like, why would Robin Williams take his own life, right? He has all the money he'll ever need, family and everything. Well, this is not something that is regulated to people that are struggling financially or that have, like, lost, you know, that they, they, you break up with your wife, you go through a divorce or something happens like that. This, this is something that th this, and I don't know if a disease is the right word, April, um, mm -hmm. but it can affect anyone. It knows no socioeconomic um, borders, right? So, mm -hmm. you know, okay. So let's let's go back to um, to Frank, right? Where okay, you have was it three daughters? You said um, yeah. So three great daughters, a great wife, and you're struggling with this, right? Whatever lets you get to that point, Frank. And maybe it's you know you love your family so much you want to um, take better care of them, right? Uh, look at the, okay, the, what helps in my opinion, right? What has, has helped me when I was kind of struggling with things like this is a, you remove yourself completely from the situation. If you are, you have, if you feel you have nothing left to lose right to where you, you just want to kind of check out and, and say enough is enough. I, I I'm tired of living. You owe it to yourself 
because you got nothing to lose anyway. Okay. To take a second, right? Usually uh, three to five seconds, just take a deep breath and say, okay, why am I doing this? I'm doing this because I don't feel like I'm good enough. Right. And then, like you said, April, you find your reasons. Three great daughters and a great wife. All right. Um, I wish I could, and I'm, I'm not saying this is what happened, Frank, but I'm, I'm just trying to come up with, you know, anything like, I, I, I don't think I'm, um, I, I can be a better father. I can be a better husband. Well, then you know what, in that moment where you take a deep breath, be grateful for, I mean, again, three great daughters and a great wife in 2021, that really says something. Right. And then you can appreciate that. And then to me, like, when you can appreciate stuff, that'll snap you out of it. Um, and because it has me, Grat and I've yeah, been there. gratitude. Like that's, I've been there. It's it's hard. Like gratitude can snap me out of it too. I'm just like this sucks. This sucks. I'm I'm scared. Mm -hmm. I don't know where life is going. What if it's this? What if this? What if the world is gonna turn on the unvaxxed and exclude them from everything? What if this? What if that? And then I'm mm -hmm. just like, okay, hang on. <sighs> I'm grateful for this. This happened today. I'm grateful for this. I'm grateful for this. I'm grateful for this. Okay. At least I have this, you know what I mean? So like you can kind of change your, if you can't change your situation, mm -hmm. change the way you look at it. Mm -hmm. You can't always control what's going on around you, but you can control mm -hmm. your reaction to it or to the people. You can't control them. You can't control, you can't control a lot but we can control our reactions to these things and how we look at it. So sometimes a lot of it's tweaking how we're thinking and tweaking how we're looking at it. Somebody yeah. up there, um, MV Hitman 73 said, there are days I can't walk or do simple things. It's very taxing. I can't take two steps without pain sometimes. Were you a wrestler? Um, it's complicated with me. A simple fix is surgery, but no elective surgeries right now. So it's either I suck it up and try to change my mentality um, during the day or other measures. Just last week, I had someone take the key for my firearm. Well, that means that somebody cares about you and loves you enough to um, look after you. So mm -hmm. that in and of itself mm -hmm. is a good thing. Obviously, people mm -hmm. truly give a shit about you. Mm -hmm. And some people don't have that. So that's good. Mm -hmm. Um it does suck when you're in constant pain. There's. Oh yeah. It's yeah. You know, I don't, I don't, I won't even pretend to, you know what I mean? <laughs> I don't know what to say about that. Um, I don't know if there's anything, I don't know your pain situation. I don't know any of that. Sometimes there are things that you can do while you're waiting for elective surgery to come back like CBD oil, um, chair yoga, um, some stretching and physical therapy that you can do at home. Some of those things will help heat and ice. Um, it's more of pain management. I don't know if that will help at all, but I know when you're a lot of pain physically, mentally, things can come down a lot more too, and it makes stuff difficult. So if there's a way to figure out how to manage your pain in a, in a kind of a constructive way, it might, help with how you're feeling mentally as well. Um, and if you want to talk to us more about that, uh, being as though we've been, <laughs> we've both been thrown around the ring a whole lot and deal with a lot of pain, we might be able to have some 
some insight mm -hmm. to help. I don't know, mm -hmm. but um, I'm glad someone is looking after you. So, no. um, yeah, I mean, there again, there, there's, you know, exploring alternative means and stuff like that as far as pain management goes. But um, like, and look, I'm, I'm all about pro I, I'm, I'm very pro gun legally. And, and, you know, I believe we need background checks and everything like that. But um, you know, if, if you're in a, in a bad place, I don't necessarily think access to a firearm is the best thing because it takes two seconds. And, and you know what? We trust me, I, I get, and, and I, I've, I've reached out to April when I have been in a, um, in a bad place. And, mm -hmm. you know, I, I get it when it just, nothing seems like it's going to help. And, and there's, there's no light at the end of the tunnel and you're kind of in this, this void to where you don't, you don't see a way out. You don't know which way's up, which way's down. And, you know, your, your mental faculties um, which of course include um, rational thought are completely skewed. If, um, mm -hmm. if, if seemingly with depression, yes. You know, and, and the chemicals are not always, you know, for a lot of people, if it's like a clinical depression, your, your, mm -hmm. your chemicals are imbalanced. Yeah. And, not and, unlike and, a diabetic. So, exactly. I mean, and for on for, for, for situational depression, it could be the same thing. Chemicals are mm -hmm. imbalanced due to what's going on. Kind of like when yeah. you get anxiety. So when you're imbalanced, yeah. you're seeing things differently and it's, yeah. Yeah. Um, so and, okay. What do we have here now? Uh, struggle with depression times, but never it's more like, I don't read all that. Yeah. All right. So I've struggled with depression at times, but I've never come close to suicide. It's more like I don't care if I lived or died. When I saw that the show uh, Afterlife by Gervais, I thought I was looking at myself at times, especially after my mom died five years ago. I'm better now, yeah. but still occasionally feel it. And you know what? Um, it's okay to feel. April, actually, that, that's a quote from April for earlier this week. We, we were talking on the phone. Um, and you know something? It's okay to feel. It's okay to not be okay. It's okay to be okay, uh, despite what the media will have you believe. Um, <laughs> it's as as humans, right? We have been. I don't want to say blessed, graced, but we we have been endowed with this whole spectrum of emotions, right? And it's we happy, sad, depressed lonely, joyful, jovial. I mean, there, there's so many different emotions, right? And mm -hmm. kind of as we go through life, how we deal with the emotions we're feeling um, will kind of constitute how our future is, right? To where uh, th there was a comment, and I, I, I'm, I'm going to tie this in. Um, Let's see. It was uh, somebody, and I, I forgive me. I, I just thought um, they said how yes, they were an alcoholic, but they try to temper it with a good diet. Um, whoever that was, Colin, if we could bring that up too, because I wanted to deal with that because this is part of um, part of what we're saying. Uh, so, oh, right here, yes, Canada Spaceman. I'm an alcoholic, but I uh, uh, try to temper it with a good diet. I was never severely abused, but I remember the bad times more than the good. Right? Okay. So now to tie that in with the previous comment. So what we focus on right now, sometimes right bad times, they can cause trauma and, and they can like, you know, you almost like 
replay them in your head over and over and over again. And um, hey, looking backward fucks your neck up. Yes. Yes. And the neck controls the head. So there you go. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but like we have the ability, right? Like to, to say, okay, I, I'm so happy right now. This is awesome. Right. Like I'll, I'll, I'll use an example. Um, there were times in my career. Um, cause I, I, I tend to be very career oriented, especially now that I'm trying to, again, figure out the whole Hollywood thing and I'm still half ass in the wrestling business and all that. But like my career, I have had some absolutely incredible, incredible moments. Um, moments that I, like most human beings never get to experience it. Right. You know, when, when like the WrestleMania is the just, just amazing stuff. Right. And I, I remember, um, it was when Miz and I won the tag titles. We were in St. Louis and just staying there and like, like having that crowd and just, just playing with them. And I remember it vividly, right? That was a moment that <laughs> I like in the moment when I, when I was actually physically in the moment, I said, you know what? Like, I'm going to savor this right now. And I'm going to use this and, and, and really file this in the memory bank because it's it's amazing. Now, that was a very tumultuous year in my life. And I've also encountered a lot of tragedy. And uh, you know what? I'm not going to share everything right now. Um, but it, it was very, very bad. And, you know, it's not like I wanted to think about it. But it was so traumatic that for a long time it was like in the back of my mind, I kept playing that over and over and over again. And every decision I made, I, I, like I didn't allow myself to be happy. And, you know, looking back now, I should have focused more on the moments um, that I was happy and, and that like my hard work paid off and, and yada, yada. But point being, we, we've all had moments in our life where there's joy. And I know that it can seem like there's no joy now. Like if, if, if someone, God forbid, and I pray no one out there has been uh, that's listening to this, but unfortunately I, it's probably not the case. Like if, if you've been in an abusive relationship, if you've had abusive parents or whatever, I mean, there is scarring that is so deep that, you know, I, I, I do recommend seeking professional help. Right. And cause, cause there's nothing that in my opinion, I can say that can cure everything. Um, but to take that first step to say, you know what, even if it's not a first step, right? Even if it's making the decision, right? I, I equate it to being, let, let's say you fall and you fall in a hole, right? The hole of depression. Before an escape can be made out of the hole, you have to have the thought, right? Because like suicide comes, it's all thought, right? We think that life's not going to get any better. So we then think that an option is to end our life, right? So these are all thoughts first. If you have the thought and you think of, you know what? I want to get out of this. I don't want to do this. You have the thought of pulling yourself up out of a hole. And then you can start researching the methods to do it. Can you climb the wall? Do you, you know unthread your t-shirt and make a little rope 
to, to get out. Like there, there's different means of escape, but it all starts with the thought. So if anyone is getting there and if anyone is at there at that point, right. Um, where you really are thinking like, I, I don't want to live. I, this is not who I am. This is not what I want to do. I don't, I just don't want to breathe anymore. I can't take it. It's too much. The thought of, I want better for myself. I don't want to take this way out. We think it's the only way out, but it's not. Like the thought of, okay, I want to get out of here. Because that thought will lead to another thought or can lead to another thought. And then that thought can lead to another thought. And before you know it, you know, combined with what April said, being grateful for what you do have, you're at least out of the hole. You may not be out of the forest that the hole is in, but you're at least out of the hole and you're walking on the ground, you know, and you can get your way out of, you know, the, the forest of depression, you know, the forest yeah. of anxiety, um, the forest of chaos, as we say. So that's my opinion. I hope that makes sense. Yeah. And as, as someone, uh, as, as Chuck pointed out, uh, Ragnar Lothbrok said on Vikings, you know, why are you looking backwards? You're not going that way. So we have a tendency to um, judge our future by our past. And we all do it. I do it. Everybody does it. We had some shit that happened in the past. And we were younger then and a lot more stupid. And it didn't work out right. And it was painful. Mm -hmm. And we think if we're going through something similar again in the future, that that is going to happen again. And that can be a self-fulfilling prophecy, too. So we have to remember that that was a learning experience and now we get a second chance to try again and do it better. So to not let this ruin that. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that makes sense. And we have <laughs> Holy. Uh, Welcome, Nick. I made it. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Nick Foley. I made it. I'm on my late. Hello, hello. <laughs> Thank you so much. I woke up. I'm telling you. Uh, let me put these teeth in so you know I respect. I'm being as respectful. Uh, you, we I, have a no pants, no teeth podcast. Yeah, you so are don't, free don't worry to do whatever it. you want. <laughs> hey, thank you. Uh, while while we're talking, if you see me thumbing through something, I think I have something of interest to you, Aaron. I think it's oh. enjoy. But uh, yeah, yeah, I set my. Yeah, that, this tour, I'm on this tour. I don't want people to be bad for me because I'm doing what I love to do. Mm -hmm. And uh, I have uh, Jake Roberts' daughter, Cody, uh, booking the dates. And she's done this amazing job of making sure that none of the dates are too far away. Uh, but last night was the big drive. That was like a, mm -hmm. a five-hour drive. And it was through windy roads. It wasn't through an interstate. And I thought, mm -hmm. Man, I better get that done at night because if I try to do this when there's construction, it's going to be a killer. And uh, it reminds me of when, you know, when you're with WWE and you're 10 days on and three days off, what people didn't realize is your first day off is spent getting back home. Yep. And that could be <laughs> eight, right. That, could be yep. that, that, that is not a day off. That's work. And, and then a lot of the times you're heading back the day before you go to work so that you're not, you know, because there's, you know, there's big problems if you miss your work. So you're sometimes 12 days on one and a half days off. 
And so I didn't want my entire off day, which I, where I've got a lot of stuff to do, um, to be spent driving. And then again, I've got, I've got to get in the ahead of time um, on this tour. I'm only wearing glasses. I want to find this, this photo that you guys are going to kick out of. Um, but, you know, you have to sign the merchandise and the socks. And it's, a, it's a, the difference I describe it. When I would occasionally show up for WWE, I was like a dinner guest. Someone else has prepared the food. Someone has, has uh, made it. I get to eat it. Someone else will uh, throw it out when I'm done. Mm -hmm. And in this case, it's like I got to shop for it, I have to mm -hmm. prepare it to make sure everybody's having a great time. I got to clean up and I got to get ready to go mm -hmm. the next day. So I needed this day off so badly, so badly. And I'm, mm -hmm. uh, so I needed whatever. I got 10 hours sleep. And honestly, as soon as I'm talking to you guys, I'm back in the sack. Well, <laughs> thank you so much for coming on. Yes. It means yeah, the world you. to us, Nick. And uh, how are you doing, by the way? How's the family? It's been, wow, it's been a minute since we talked. It has been a while, right? Um, yeah, we're all doing pretty good. good. Doing rights for WWE. Uh, mm. yeah, it's, a, it's a difficult job, really difficult. Uh, he does a nice job with uh, NXT. Mm -hmm. But, uh, man, I, I warned him when he wanted to do it. I was like, this is a thankless job. I said, mm -hmm. I don't remember a whole lot of people running up to their writer and thanking them for a promo that delivered. Yeah. I do remember writers getting a lot of flack for stuff that didn't work out. Yep. So said, uh, yeah. But what's cool is on the few occasions I've been to NXT, mm -hmm. I see the way talent relaxed, reacts to him. I even see, like, the look in their eyes. There's a little mm -hmm. subtlety. Not, mm -hmm. like. Yeah, yeah, and they and I've had a couple of guys come out, go out of their way. Guys like Finn Balor and just say, "Man, I love working with your son." So he's doing that. Uh, my daughter, uh, essentially, she, she works for a well, The Walking Dead. She does a little mm. uh, online um, campaigns for The Walking Dead. Very cool. Uh, so she's she's doing okay. The, my twenty year old, uh, he's in his second band with a guy named Mick Hogan. And so nice. I've been jamming mm -hmm. and little Huey is uh, he's doing his homeschooling. Um, mm -hmm. We're still not quite there as wanting him to go back. Um, mm -hmm. yeah. you know? And so uh, he's doing his homeschooling and he has dropped April. I think you'll really appreciate this. Uh, at Holy, do you the last time you saw him? I don't, I'm not sure if you ever caught an episode of Holy Foley anyway. Um, but it wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, Go out and uh, not imagine you have, but I'm. I don't know if you have, so I'm not going to say you've seen Holy Foley. But 2016, he was five foot six and 210 pounds, and now he's six foot four and 160 pounds. So oh my gosh! He has completely changed his lifestyle. The last he's transformed. Time, yeah, last time he had something that could be described as a snack is a piece of pizza at Santa's Village. Uh, 15 months ago, pretty cool, right? Wow. wow, yeah, so we're all doing pretty good. My wife's hanging in there, she's doing good. Mm -hmm. Uh, she's going to a, a you know, like a concert here in the next couple of days. She's really been looking forward to it, she deserves it because she held down the fort. All right, here it is. I'm writing about the do and you connection. This is a little book mm -hmm. I wrote just for my own family, and I've got ah, yes. I <laughs> <laughs> I, Nick, am I the, looking at there? I, the is that Miz, you? The Miz and Miz Dow. I'm in the middle. Oh, okay. uh -huh. oh, 
Yep. Yeah. Okay, I can see <laughs> that now. Accompanied me <laughs> to New York City Comic Con in 2014. And my daughter was dressed up as like an adorable elf because it was mm -hmm. October, you know, it's uh -huh. the Christmas season. Uh -huh. You're an all year uh, Christmas tree person, right, April? Oh, yeah. Well, and, yeah, I just I have Christmas Christmas lights up all year. Yeah, for sure. Nice. Yeah. And so uh, I don't want to, I don't get, I'm not here to start a family feud, but I, I just, it appeared to me that Noel was a, a tiny bit hurt that far more people were flocking to Ms. and Ms. Dow, which huh? just shows you how incredibly over that. Uh, the other thing, he would go, he goes, Dewey, maybe we can go for About a Boy, which was a great show. It was uh -huh. the movie, I love that. It was a great the movie. The movie was so great. Turned into a very good two-year series, but I'm pretty sure if they showed up as about a boy, the two uh -huh. the, the neighbor and the young boy, that not a soul would have known who they were. Mm -hmm. But when they put that stuff on, they were pointing to each other, like people were uh -huh. over to get their photos taken. It was great. Oh my god, yeah, and I, I remember you actually texted me that photo, and uh, yeah, I was just I was blown away. I was like, wow, that's the coolest thing that they um they wanted that, and I actually was. I was talking to April yesterday about this. Um, I don't know if you remember this, but this was, I think this was right after the Mizdow when they were um, kind of just being very relaxed on my creative, to yeah. put it nicely, um, where you had actually started <laughs> Damien Sandow Day. And I, I remember on the Monday, that's when, uh, when Rowdy unfortunately passed away. So, you know, we obviously ended up not doing that, but I, I, I was so flattered that you actually like, did that for me and like we're, we're, we're going to do that so that that always meant the world to me mick and i just wanted to publicly thank you for that uh, you're very welcome yeah nice. i really enjoyed the heck out of that nice being somebody who uh you know really grabs onto something which on the surface didn't seem to be uh, something with much yeah. legs mm -hmm. and it was oh man it was tremendous but oh, thank you. we're also here to talk about something of a more serious nature right mm -hmm. yes yeah i um i first off Thank you, thank you, thank you for showing up. And I don't know how many people know this, but uh, Mick donated a significant amount toward Daphne's causes, which was NAMI, uh, National Alliance of uh, National Alliance Mental Institute. Am I saying that right? Uh, I just know him as NAMI. Yes, thank you, thank you. And also to the um, Boston University uh, traumatic study of traumatic encephalopathy. I never say that right. Um, but yes, for the, I, I the brain. myself say it. They even though they changed it to the Concussion Legacy Institute, I forced yeah. myself to say it the other way. I figure say it, say it. Boston Center for Traumatic Encephalopathy. Encephalopathy. I if I continue to say it, that I'm going to be okay. Because I'm a guy, you know, took a lot of rattles. Um, even mm -hmm. things I didn't know were bad for my brain. Like a lot of the high impact bumps that have nothing to do with me hitting my head. But when there's high impact, your brain, even if you get your chin, your chin tucked to your chest like we do, that mm -hmm. high impact stuff will cause your brain to rattle in its skull. Rattles, yeah. So these are things I did not know. So I will be uh, sending my brain their way, uh, you know, I'll, I'll hopefully decades from now. Uh, you never know when that happens. Uh, right before I talked to you, I got off the phone with a representative from uh nami georgia that's mm -hmm. where um that's the group that uh daff or shannon's mom yep. mm -hmm. daff and shannon the same person mm -hmm. 
Uh, she set up a fundraiser. I'll be honest, I, I, I'm not comfortable with how it's performing. I think it would be much better for the wrestling community if more people chipped in $5, $10, $1, whatever they could. Mm -hmm. um, but I've been auctioning the shirt off my back at all my shows. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we brought in between $420. I don't think that was a coincidence. The guy wanted to bid $420. But we got um, twelve hundred one day and a, a handful of five hundreds, and then last night I forgot to bring up the uh, I forgot to do the auction. I get to the back after my show, and I said to Tim Sullivan, my opener, Tim, I got to do the auction. Mm -hmm. He said, "Why don't you just walk out and then announce it?" You know, that so okay. Now I've got to do the meet and greet. I said, "I forgot to do this. Uh, I'm so sorry." Somebody wants it for a buy it now price of five hundred dollars. Mm -hmm. um, it's yours. So one guy raises his hand, and then another woman who it turns out she wasn't even a wrestling fan. She goes, "Hey, that's not an auction. <laughs> we want it for five fifty. <laughs> and so we had on the gimmick line, the merchandise line, that's cool. the post show meet and greet line. We did have a little bidding auction, and uh, uh -huh. she, her husband ended up buying it for twelve fifty. So that's awesome. Uh, so as soon as it's done here, I will go over to that. Uh, the big issue is because I, I don't know how to make donations via Facebook, mm -hmm. that they agreed that when they see my donation come in, mm -hmm. they will inform uh, Shannon's mom and that she can note it as a, as a donation from her campaign. And uh, hopefully when uh, wrestling fans see that doing well, mm -hmm. they'll be more inclined Um uh, I think you need, to, I mean, this is a tough part of the business to talk about. Um, but, uh, this, this business affects all of us in some way. Emotionally. Yeah. Mm -hmm. As yeah. soon as I, even if it doesn't involve a mental illness, I tell prospective wrestlers or which I know, I said, I said, be prepared to have, I said, it's a good, it's a good chance you'll have your body broken in some way, but it's a guarantee you'll have your heart broken. Yeah. Wow, that is solid advice. Uh, yeah. So be prepared. <laughs> be prepared. Um, I mean, I know I've had my heart broken for angles that, you know, that, you know, I believed in that didn't happen. Mm -hmm. Pushes I thought would be better that didn't go. So I can't imagine mm -hmm. what you went through when you got this character that has succeeded on in every task it's been assigned. And then they, they tell you, no, it's run its angle. It's run its course. Like, yeah, it was just, well, they didn't even tell me that. It was like, you know, intellectual savior. I, I think that worked, but um, it worked a little too good. And then, um, you know, the the stunt double thing, that was, it was what it was. Uh, you know, and, and I, what really got me is I never got an answer, right? And um, and that, when, what you said about, yes, I, I was, I was heartbroken because this company that I had, you know, I never failed a drug test did everything I was asked to do. Um, and they didn't even think I was worth, uh, Hey, we just don't want to go with you. Um, like I wasn't like that. And, and there were some people in the office, like I, like there was one, one guy in particular, um, not Vince. Um, but I would have thought like, based on how he was when I first got brought up that he would have at least talked to me. And, uh, yeah, to, to a degree, I was heartbroken and I, I just, I walked away from wrestling for a while. And, um, 
you know, that, that did cause uh, some issues and, and, you know, self-worth and everything. And it was, mm-hmm. but turning point was realizing it. And we were just talking about, you know, with, with the suicide prevention and everything where we have the ability to make our own choices, but sometimes it gets so skewed because our self-worth, if, if we love the business is dependent on not even the fans, because like with me, the fans every time i went through the i was like okay but you know what we're worth on tv and how we're treated it depends on one or two people and yeah. that is the definition of an unhealthy relationship this isn't pick on wwe day um it's just i think it's just illustrating um the the unique situation we're in mm. and how in a um period of time when mental health is a very it's a very delicate subject in the sense that it's affecting more and more of us you know i think this i used to say about wrestling they said is wrestling to blame for you know the you know, overdoses and things of that nature I said it's not wrestling it's uh, people who are attracted to wrestling tend to live life larger they don't follow the fully uh, instantaneous risk reward ratio analysis is if we did do that, we probably wouldn't get in because the chances of making it are small. Yeah. Chances of being hurt emotionally are large. Chances of being hurt uh, physically are large. Chances mm-hmm. of being hurt emotionally are even larger. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. And yeah. now we're in a situation where we do have, for better or worse, uh, a strange dichotomy. So that and I'll give you an example involving you, Aaron. You know, uh, December. Uh, 2012. Uh, I, I I don't I don't think any many kids listening, but if they are, I'll uh, put it between the lines. Uh, mm-hmm. I've been assigned the task of being one of Santa's ambassadors, right? In uh, mm-hmm. December 2012, while I'm waiting for my wife, I send a photo of me in the red suit and uh, an appearance the day before at Santa's Village in New Hampshire to Stephanie and say ho 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 from Saint Nick. And mm-hmm. Stephanie responds back, she says, wow, Mick, is that you? You look incredible. I was like, you need a Santa for tribute to the troops? Mm-hmm. And so with all of one, <laughs> one, uh, two hours of experience, now I'm being seen in, in, on TV in front of thousands, live mm-hmm. in front of thousands, TV in front of a couple million people. Mm-hmm. So the next year, now I grow out that beard. Remember I show up and I'm, I think yeah. I'm looking pretty good, right? 2013, mm-hmm. I'm ready to go back on Raw. Yeah. And the writers come up to me and go, uh, we got nothing on Raw. And <laughs> I feel like that like that inner child. I feel like uh, Dale Dobeck and Brennan Hoff after they've been roughed up by Chris Gardaki on the playground and Step Brothers, where you're like, I, I just want to be Santa, you know? And yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. We're working with yeah. Mark Henry. It's the, you know. Oh, my God. Yes. Right. So I pitched Vince the idea of putting me, I said, comedy works in threes. You know, I said, these yep. guys are doing their thing. They need the Santa to referee this thing. You know, I had a striped red and white shirt. I'm playing it. I'm playing it serious. You know, Santa, you know, one, two, yes. two, two, you know. And and then Vince just goes, oh, I think we're, we have enough Santas. Like, no, you need a third. You need Santa. <laughs> See, I, I mean, do that. you do Vince very well. Oh, 
Mick, you know what? I would have loved that. That's oh, it would have been so much fun, but that's just the point. Where was he wrong? I, in my opinion, he was wrong. Yes, but his idea. It's his company. It doesn't strike him as a good idea. And at a certain point, like five months later, my daughter said to me, she was dad. You have to stop talking about not being Santa in Texas. You're no longer fun to be around. So here, oh, having enjoyed the successes I did, and I've got my, my bee in a bonnet, whatever you want to call it, over mm. having not been having had that opportunity taken away from me. Now, the um, can't say happy ending anymore. The joyous conclusion. <laughs> silver lining. Are you silver lining? The oh, silver yeah. lining to it. Lining is, I have this experience <laughs> involving Nora Jones at a small show and Nora making a statement eight months later, uh, seeing my arrival at her event through her eyes. Mm. And it's like, I think I made her feel like a little kid again. And I realized it's not about 10,000 people on live. It's not about three or 4 million people watching on TV. It's about making that one little impact with a person. And so I was so proud to say I did get the call the next year. And I said, I'm sorry, I, I can't do it this year. And uh, he said, can we ask why not? I said, I, I, I'm doing a, you know, I have a charity I work with mm -hmm. and I'm doing an appearance that night. And so while uh, Ho Ho Hogan did the hosting for Raw, oh, yeah. I, uh, I put on the red uh, suit in front of six children at uh, a foster home. And oh. I, doubted that I made the right decision but that was like a year-long odyssey just for me to get my head right about this terrible ordeal in Texas and I only say that to illustrate that uh, the hurt it, it you know we are all none of us are beyond it especially mm. uh, April you having been the one who probably correctly identified me as an emo kid in disguise uh, <laughs> you still remember that? Oh yeah, I quote it almost every night when I'm out there. Uh, uh, when I do my live show. That's one of the lines I lean on almost every night, and I always follow it. I don't know if I did this with uh, uh, when you saw me uh, several months ago. I said, "Okay, maybe so, maybe so." Don't drive a big truck. I don't have a hunting dog. I don't hunt. I don't fish. Still drive a minivan, but nonetheless. And I'm telling a story about me and Terry Funk in Japan. I was like. The words you're about to hear are among the most badass ever spoken. And then I give the words. So by setting me up as acknowledging my the side of me that is very sensitive, uh, we then hit a home run with the badassery that we uh, create on the stage. But I'm just going back to the fact that, hey, if it affects me and I've had my share of successes, it affects just about anyone who gets in it for the love of the business. I mm -hmm. sometimes envy the men and women. There'd be more men than women, the ones who I think I can make some money doing this. You know, whether the great physique, someone tells them, and there's a history of guys who did well, made their money, didn't care about anybody else, got out, didn't do the right thing on the way out, weren't interested in putting people over. Yeah. The business isn't going to hurt them. When things start going south, they just bail out. But for those yeah. of us who love it, inevitably, we're going to go through some tough emotional times. Mm -hmm. And for people who have it in their in their genes, you know, uh, I know, April, you and Daph bonded uh, because of this, your similarities, personality-wise, what you struggled with. 
we'll go. I just I don't jump it all over the place when I said that wrestling itself is not to blame, but that wrestling and the nature of the constant travel exacerbates the situation exacerbates the situation just, mm -hmm. just like qu quarantine and being isolated exacerbates yes. it for mm -hmm. anyone who's not a wrestler you know so i would say listen if you're weak if you're prone to you know favoring the drink it's there for you every time right. you go to yeah. If you're prone, you know, women, especially when we ran weekly towns or, you know, more regular towns, but even so, you know, if you're, that's your weakness, it's there. Mm -hmm. and rugs, you're going to find it. For me, yeah. unfortunately, it was the, it was the restaurants, especially when I started, you know, living in real, you know, there's a lot of pain doing the style that I did. And I was like, what does it hurt? There's a Perkins, they're open. I'm, I don't smoke, I don't drink, you know, yeah. I don't even curse. I dropped that one F-bomb because mm -hmm. it really hurt to just go in there for a piece of pumpkin pie. Not on that night, but when you make it a point of your part of your life, you know, five, six times a yeah. week, you know. It's, so uh, they call it it's comfort food for a reason, right? Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, so it went from being comfort food on the road, and then during the pandemic, it becomes your comfort during the day. It's the one thing you look forward to when you can't see anybody. So... Yeah. It's a long-winded way of letting you know that I know uh, what some of these, uh, what some of the people in our business are going through. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then um, I think that hit the nail on the head. It's like when when you love it, and I've, you know, with me, I had this tendency to when when I left, I just kind of compartmentalized it and said, I don't love wrestling. I'm going to go be an actor now. But you know, it it never fully went away, and then when I ended up kind of doing some stuff with NWA, I, I just kind of like had to come to terms with myself. And you know what, this is something I love and I'm, I'm fortunate that I've kind of found my peace there. And I, I think for a lot of people, you know, they don't have that opportunity. And cause to me, right. When, when you love something that much, it is your identity. And, and, you know, as you know, like when, when you're, on TV and, and you are this one character, that is who people think you are. Whether, I mean, you could be, you know, at Walmart in Scottsburg, Indiana, which I've been just, you know, going about my business. And then, oh, Damien Sandow, you shop here? It's like, <laughs> yes, you know, I, I, I have a camouflage shirt on and like, just right, like, you know, they, they don't, they don't see it was anything different. So you, you kind of mentally, you just become this and like it's so such a part of your identity as like i'm a wrestler i'm a wwe wrestler or wherever you're at that when it goes away or you know you you're treated a certain way there i, I think your self-esteem is just it, it plummets with that and that's not a healthy thing it, it's self-esteem the first word of self-esteem is self and you know whether we're talking april mick aaron like ourselves and wrestling is a part of who we are, but it's not everything. Yeah. I even, I mentioned this and I'm glad they, they, they delved into it on the A&E biography. Uh, it doesn't matter if, you know, people are telling you every day about the things you did and how you made them feel. There was a part of me for a while, a couple of year period thought what I had done meant absolutely nothing. That made no difference at all in anyone's life. And uh, when I was in Pasadena doing my show, uh, April 2018, uh, Anita Strauss played my music, right? She played the rec theme. 
And I realized this is the first time I've had any type of entrance besides just music being played. You know, I joked around in shows. I said, I never had dry ice. I never had pyro, mm-hmm. even Gilbert uh, Sparkler. But now, Nita <laughs> uh, Strauss goes up there and she's playing wreck and I'm getting not just goosebumps, but I'm getting the full scalp thing, the tingle and the rush yeah. and the whole thing down the spine. Yep. yep. And I realize I, I must be somebody because Nita Strauss is playing my music. Mm. And so you can rationalize it and say, well, hey, you got these books. You, you know, like on one hand, I should know that I was successful. And it's like, I do. But on the other hand, and I'm getting a lot better now, getting a lot better, but it's like, I made no contribution to this world at all. Even if people tell, would tell me on a daily basis. And even today, and when I go out on tour, I'm doing a couple, I'm doing a few things, you know, honestly up front, you know, I, I do, I do make out pretty well financially, you know, people would be surprised to know how close I come to main event money at the garden when I'm in front of two 200 people in Belvedere, Illinois. But far more importantly, I get to create, you know, um, I used to say the thing about being the dinner guest, just show up, WWF, dinner served, someone else prepared the menu, Uh, they clean up after me. But when I'm on my show doing my events, I'm 100% responsible for the way people feel when they leave that venue. Mm. And way above and beyond how many times they've laughed, I want them to think. And, And April, you've been to a couple of my events. Yeah, my hope is that when people leave, they have a big smile on their face and they feel to themselves, I'm really glad I went there. Mm. And when I can do that, it feels very much like being in front of a a huge crowd back in the days when I was wrestling. And the upside is there's no emergency room business. So yeah. Oh, yeah. you know that you're, and yeah. you know that you're giving back because you yeah. know that you're you're yeah. entertaining them, you're making them happy, mm-hmm. you're making right. them forget about mm-hmm. things for a little while and taking you know what I mean? Yeah. So <clears throat> mm-hmm. I was um I was saying when you, you brought up identity, you know, I'm a wrestler earlier. For a lot of us or or a lot of people, like even taking this to a different level, when someone goes through, say, a breakup. You know, saying their marriage falls apart. Yeah. Their identity is husband or wife. Yeah. And that identity is no longer available to them. And that's mm-hmm. part of the mourning that they go through yes. as well. So say if, or if your mother dies, you know, you're no longer, you know what I mean? It's like you lose your identity sometimes with some of these situations and that kind of doesn't help. So, you know, if you lose your job and you're, um, whatever your job title is, your identity has been pulled away from you as well. Not just employed, but whatever it was that you were doing. Can I um, make a point with this book that I showed you? Yeah. Uh, the one with the, this is, um, my. I don't think my children are going to find out. This is their, this is their big surprise. So this is the latest Foley book. And hmm. it is almost 500 pages long. Foley Chronicles? It, Foley Chronicles. It's got beautiful color uh, pages in it. Let me see if I can find some pages. Apparently Aaron is in it. <laughs> Even something like a visit to um, Hershey Park. Hmm. My son, Mickey, before we realized he was on the emer- uh, autism spectrum, 
for like three years, every time a camera was on it, he would assume a Power Rangers pose. So uh, we have this great story where he did the, I think it's a great story. As a dad, it's a great story. He does the Hershey factory tour where he and his brother are given a lanyard, you know, with this, like they work there and mm -hmm. they're making chocolates. And my wife went to say something to Mickey in 2005. So he was four years old. He goes, I can't talk right now. I work here. And it's just one of those stories we don't want to go away. And so I spent many months um, writing a book mm -hmm. um, that no one will ever read outside my family. And so have a nice day. So, you know, a million copies and then the, you know, a couple others did really well. I've, I've been lucky. I've had five books that will chart, uh, that charted on the uh, times list. And here's one that no one will ever read. But to me, it's every bit as special and maybe more so. And so mm -hmm. if people are out there, I mean, this is the one wise thing that I think I mm -hmm. said in my entire life. I don't know how Cena comes up with these words of wisdom on a daily basis. I don't know if he has a guru that helps him, but I wrote this in 2007 book. I said, don't ever let anyone else describe for you, de define for you what being a success is. We get to do that for ourselves. So if somebody wants to think that this book is a failure because only you know my kids are probably won't read it at least for a few years. My daughter even said like, dad, she knew I was working on it. She said, dad, don't get upset. If no one reads the book, I said, it's not in there for them now. It's there for them whenever they want to read it, whether that's a year from now, five years from now, or when they have children of their own. Mm. So I'm every bit as proud of that book that I wrote that uh, just as a, you know, just as a way of showing my love as a dad as the book I wrote that, you know, that people still carry around to this day. No. So I think if we can find things that make us feel worthwhile, um, if we can, re you know, as wrestlers, remember the way we felt and find other ways that make us feel that way. Um, that's a big uh, step on that path. <laughs> Yeah, I'm. I'm glad you actually talked about your son. I remember when you swore me to secrecy about him having autism, and yeah. I never told anybody. And then so when, he did his. Uh, my, I had a 2015 special with WWE. I was doing the cheap pops, uh, like my one man show. They're recording, mm -hmm. and I wanted him to turn a drum roll into a drum solo, which has been done before. Mm -hmm. I think Saturday Night Live even mm -hmm. did it. I think they had a little drummer boy episode where the little drummer boy, and then he had cymbals. And it was <laughs> it's not the first time it's been done, but it's the first time I did it. And he drove me cra crazy by saying, okay, how many times do you want me to hit the tom-tom? Do you want me to come like this? Like, do I hit four times? He's big on numbers, right? Mm -hmm. and I, I got to the point where I was almost like, I have to remember the show, uh, buddy, whatever you want to do. But that's not that <laughs> when you say whatever I want to do. Does that mean I can hit the tom-tom four times? And, mm -hmm. and then he went out there on the stage, and it was like the drum solo that did not end on time. I'm trying to bring it around like, oh, yeah, boom. And, and he just uh -huh. kept going. <laughs> kept going. The momentum in the place kept building, and people started chanting his name. And he stole the show from me that day. Oh, and I was yeah. never so happy to have a stole, show stolen from me. Mm -hmm. And without intending to do it, as soon as he was over, he was done. I, I lifted up my, my hand where I had that bracelet. This is autism mm -hmm. acceptance. And I said, mm -hmm. if any of you are wondering why I've been wearing this type of bracelet for 
six years. It's uh, in support of my son who's on the spectrum. And I woke up the next day to find that I become um, an accidental advocate. And, uh, <laughs> I think I, I told you that that would happen. Yeah, yeah, you did. Yeah. Yeah. But how, how? That's that's incredible. Yeah. Wow. So, and listen, you know, for someone if they're struggling, we're talking about mental health. You know, um, I was a kid who was thought to be weird, and I made those weird qualities work for me as a character. And uh, whenever I'm asked about which character I enjoyed doing the most, I give them an answer completely different than I would have in 1999. Now I look back and say, Latter-day Mankind, because he, was, he wasn't the one I was proudest of. Because at the time, I thought, all right, I'm taking shortcuts. You know, I'm making people laugh instead of doing the wild match that I'm going to do. Neither the rock, yeah. Neither the rock. Sorry, working smart in Sahara as yeah, I was at school. But what it did was, uh, it a it made people in general laugh, took their minds off their problems. Mm -hmm. But specifically, that character resonated with people who didn't feel like they were understood. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, of course, other guys, Steve and Rock, they had a much bigger fan bases. But I felt like when someone wore one of my shirts, they were making a point and it made them feel good that they were not all alone. And so I want to tell anyone who's listening, uh, who's struggling. Uh, and in this, this era, uh, there's more struggle than ever. We also understand yeah. we're allowed to talk about it. I think it takes more courage to talk about it than to pretend it's not happening. Mm. And just know, I mean, I felt like if my phone call had gone through that night when uh, Daph was having her issues, that, on that one night I could have talked her out of it. Doesn't mean that she'd still be here, but I feel like that one night I could have made a difference. And sometimes you wake up the next day with a new perspective. Uh, sometimes, you know, you find a, a medication that works for you or and a number of things that can change things around. And I Honestly, just, Nick, I don't know if you would have been able to. It was a long time coming, and she seemed to accept it. Her parents and her family seemed to accept it. Um, it was what she wanted. She was in a lot of physical pain. Yeah. I mean, I think we all felt like we kind of failed her in a way, but we also all feel like we understand. Yeah. You know what I mean? I wouldn't, I don't, I don't know if you would have been able to, and you're, I, I know you can sell ice to an Eskimo, but you know? well, I think maybe on that night, if maybe, uh, maybe, night, but um, yeah, maybe um, I would have liked to have had the opportunity um, to April. You've written some great stuff about uh, suicide and Chris Cornell. I remember that article you wrote about Chris Cornell. Oh, wow. You have a good memory. Yeah, you write some profound stuff, and that's why I shared <laughs> your article. Thank you on uh, on, mm -hmm. on Facebook uh, a week or so ago. But I, I do have to get going. But please keep doing okay. what you do. You're making the world a better place. And, Thank you. Uh, so are you. Well, so so are you. Mick. Well, real so real, you. real quick before you go, fill us in real oh, fast on the shirt. Right? The shirt shirt off my back. Tell us about that real quick. Yes, yeah, shirt yeah. off my back campaign. Now, that's limited to people who are going to my live events. You can go okay. to realmcfoley.com uh, throughout September, every night. Uh, we just finished. We finished with Missouri. We finished with Iowa. 
heading into Illinois for, I think, four shows, Indiana for four shows, Wisconsin for a couple, uh, two shows in Michigan. And every night we just do an auction. And we've gotten over 400 each night. I honestly thought, okay, what should I do? I'll donate part of my merchandise, which is what I've done in past tours. Mm-hmm. I tend to already about 20%, or if you're trying to impress Jewel in uh, Nashville, uh, you know, 50%, right? Like, I'm not above trying to endear myself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I went through a larger donation. Um, but I thought, wait a second, what if, because I was like, okay, I know what I bring in in merchandise. That means maybe we'll bring in, maybe we'll bring in $2,000 at the end of, uh, you know, a 25-city tour. And so I thought, shirt off my back. I did that one time in uh, Australia to, to, for the uh, Steve Irwin's uh, uh, Wildlife Warriors Foundation. Let me try it. We're going to get 100 a night. And then that first night, we got 750 Someone else bid a, a 450 for a limited art print. And the lowest we've had is $420. Uh, last night was 1250 as soon as I get off uh, this interview, I'm going to make that donation to NAMI Georgia. Mm-hmm. They will then alert Shannon's mom that it is meant for her fu- her fund. And then I encourage people to go over there. I'll tweet out the link. So if you follow me at realmcfoley.com, uh, I mean, Twitter, if you follow me on Twitter at realmcfoley, I will tweet out the link. It would be really nice if we got more wrestling fans and wrestlers involved. Especially mm-hmm. because if uh, fans see that people in our business are donating 10 or 20 or 50 or 100, mm-hmm. they're going to want to be part of that. And it's just a way to ensure that her life is not forgotten, uh, that yeah. her death is not in vain, and she's not here. But maybe uh, through her death, we can help uh, create awareness and pro- provide resources so that the next time someone whether they're in our extended wrestling family or beyond will at least know that there are people out there willing and uh and certified to help um yeah. doesn't want to get them all i mean april I think you've said you know if somebody's made up their mind it'd be awfully tough to change it but for those people on the fence i would say the great majority of people are on the fence a lot of people think about it um just to know that people out there, even if they know it's three wrestlers having a talk about their mental health and they tune in, it's like, I don't think they're getting paid to do this. Like, I think they genuinely <laughs> care about me and we do. I've got this great, this uh, independent wrestler in uh, Western Canada made up this great uh, meme using the Cactus Jack wanted uh, shirt and this time instead of cactus jack wanted dead or alive it says cactus jack wants you alive so it's oh, got- oh i like that wow. that's right I like that. and that's one of those ways where we serve up a palatable way to talk about mental health and suicide prevention because now that's just something that's going to catch eyeballs and now yeah. uh, you know maybe a paragraph too much and you're going to lose people but then in that uh text i will i will then show them uh i'll put up the prevention number the hotline number where they can uh, where they can make a donation to daf's um mother's fundraiser and uh you know hopefully ensure that uh people know they have a place to go and that people out there do care about them yeah we have been running that on our shows the nami georgia to do their donations there 
Um, also, I, I don't know if you're aware of this, but Daphne's brain immediately the next day did go to Boston. Yeah, it's um, her her hair was donated. So good, she, good. yeah, and her her dog um, was given to a neighbor who had lost his wife, and he was already kind of knew the dog, and he was alone. So um, her dog has a good home as well. Yeah, that's so. great. That's great. And, and- yeah. Again, Mick, thank you so, so much for coming out, yeah. taking the time. Uh, I know you're how busy you are and everything. And good luck with the shows. I'll definitely be uh be checking them out. And if you're in the area or I'm in the area, I will definitely be hitting you up to go to one. And um yeah. just- yeah, when are you back in Tampa? No, oh, I don't know about being back in Tampa. Uh, I did one in uh when was that that we did it? Was that uh, uh November, um, right? Yeah, I think so. November. So, yeah. um, you know, what's fun about the show is I, I okay, I'm going to pick up where I left off. I'm going to just do the same show because I only got a chance to do about 10 of them before COVID changed the whole schedule. But as I go, it's cool. I don't mean to sound all artsy, but you kind of find a path to go down. Oh, I didn't know I would go down there. Hmm. And now you're having fun. You're not just reciting oldies. You know, hmm. in some sense, every story is an old story. It's hmm. something that happened. But you find a new twist to it. Um, you know, I, I haven't done the DDP cookie story in many years, but uh, I've got a, an opener named Tim Sullivan from Iowa, and he does an incredible DDP imitation. So we've been hitting people with that, uh, which is we're just having a lot of fun. Uh, and I think, and what it does for me from a self, uh, not selfish standpoint, but from my um, mental perspective, when I talked to Chris Nowinski at uh, uh, who co-founded, we went to school with him. Yeah, oh, yeah, no, Chris is. Chris he was a, yeah, he was at Killer Kowalski's. Yeah, yeah, that's right. He was Kowalski. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah yep. He signed up my brain just before I even got out of school. Good for <laughs> him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The National so, Center for uh, uh, Traumatic Encephalopathy. Yeah, he goes to Legacy Institute. Mm-hmm. So he yes. came to see me a few years ago. I said, Chris, this is weird, but I feel like I'm getting better. And he goes, well, Mick, what you're doing on the stage is the best form of exercise for your brain. I said, really? He goes, goes yes. He goes, you are repeating stories that you have learned. So you're reciting certain stories that you have worked on. You're creating stories that are new and you are in having interplay with the crowd he goes it's like you're doing mental gymnastics for your brain this is like the best thing you could be doing and i thought about it like yeah that's right because as i'm out there even if i have a handful of core stories that i know i'm going to i never write anything out i don't have notebooks uh, like uh, almost anyone uh, most people in the you know the uh spoken word or comedy business do and so I love the idea. It's like doing promos back in the day. All right, mm-hmm. I got to bring this around. I got to bring this point around. I have to have, make it make sense and hopefully make it funny. Mm-hmm. And so going out there on a nightly basis, whether it's trying to make each story better, whether it's trying to inter- interact with uh, with somebody in the audience and do it in a funny way, um, it's a, it, or whether it's trying to create new material and you're working on it, and you're like, I think this one's got potential. After four days, you go, no, no, you had time to discard it. So um, it's a really good way of me, you know, um, trying to make up for all the things I did that could be described as stupid while I was in the ring. And uh, I'm really enjoying it. hope some of you will join me. 
Uh, I don't we have a couple rapid fire questions or something? Okay. Oh, okay. Yes, I actually. I didn't know we want to do the questions. I texted like I don't know if we want to do the questions now, but oh, please. Yeah, we want. Sure. To yeah. One note. Okay, let's go. And it's funny that you say that about getting better. I feel like I'm getting better too. So I don't through whatever it is I'm doing, going to school and doing this. So I'm glad you mentioned that because I thought maybe I was delusional. So thank you for saying that. I think it's the chickens, April, that keep you young. It might be the chickens. Yeah. <laughs> chickens. So okay. So we have we just have a little game we've been playing lately. It's called Deserted Island. So what, you just answer Deserted Island. Deserted so, Island. Okay. On this deserted island, you get to have one meal for the duration of the time that you're on the deserted island. What is that meal? I have to have it every day. That's it. Yep. Well, the responsible would be like the Orgain 100% uh, organic meal replacement. Yeah. I had to have one thing to get me all my... Uh, that is the politically correct answer. Uh, what is right, the meal uh, that you would choose? Uh, fatty uh, fatty uh, Zweigel's hot dogs out of Rochester, New York. Mm. And a shoe fly pie flown in from the Dutch Haven in Ronks, Pennsylvania. Final answer. That that's an answer. That is an answer right there. Okay. What is the one song that you would be able to tolerate over and over and over again for the duration of your stay on this deserted island? Now, people know how much I love Winter by Tori Amos, but I can't go there that often. Mm. Uh, so I would go with Man on the, Man on the Silver Mountain by Rainbow. Really? Dude, yes. Absolutely. Okay. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And for, for those who don't know, Mick is a music savant. Like, he is all about yeah. music. He really is an emo kid. Right. So. Yes. So, well, this is, a, this is one of those. This is a badass jam. This is Richie Blackmore laying down the music, Ronnie James Dio on vocals. Mm -hmm. I was mm -hmm. to both of them. And last night I was listening to the live version. I'm like, Richie, you're rushing it. You're rushing it. Give his vocals room to breathe. So I had to go back and listen to the uh, studio version. Yeah. And it's so great. And what the reason I bring it up is because every night when I do uh when I do my signings, if my silver sharpie is running out of uh out of uh ink, as they all do, I I'm, I'm always half to, hey, is Richie Blackmore here? I know he's he knows a man with a silver sharpie. <laughs> uh. Nobody laughs. Nobody gets it, or else I would have got that. Yep. Um, and, yeah, that you're talking to Aaron's genre of music right there. That's what he like. Hey, uh, I'm a fan of Blackmore's Night too. Yeah, oh, like, yeah they they're, they're amazing. Yeah, yeah. And it's funny because his wife Candace is uh, a good friend of mine, and there's a wow. Yeah, oh my yeah. god, I I love those. Uh, oh my god, yeah, that's like one of my favorite bands, Blackmore's Night. You hear the backstory there? Yeah, please. One day, because it's because it's the pandemic. I do, I do like Joan Baez, but mm -hmm. not enough to watch Joan Baez concert. But I watch, uh, I watch it, and she's got this song called "Diamonds and Rust." It's one of the songs. Absolutely, like, she wrote it about her, you know, past relationship with Bob Dylan. It's a mm -hmm. great song, and uh, and so I go to now after I watch it, wow, I'm really taken with it. I knew it before; I'd never seen her perform it live. Mm -hmm. I, I Google it, and I see that. Um, uh, the metal band uh, Judas Priest covers it. Mm -hmm. You and got I, another thing coming. Oh, sorry, that's just yeah. They, uh -huh. yeah, they cover <laughs> bust uh -huh. completely different, and then up pops the suggested uh, viewing of 
Blackmore's Night. Up until then, I thought it was Richie Blackmore with a hard rock band. And uh, and it's just this beautiful rendition of the song. So I go on Twitter, I mention it, and within about 20 minutes, I see that uh, Candace has liked it. And now, you know, that he, oh, oh, you're following me, I'm following you. And she said, um, my child actually met you when you were Santa at their school. And so uh, we just started talking, and uh, and uh, she had me. She had me over a couple times. There's a video of me and Candace singing um, um, Hollywood, um, not Hollywood Boulevard by the Kinks. Yeah, I think it's called Hollywood Boulevard. Uh, Celluloid Heroes with Richie oh. playing guitar. Wow. Uh, so yeah, when you get, uh, it's almost like being a comic on the couch and Johnny invites you, Johnny invites you from over to the couch. Mm-hmm. So I went out to eat with them and, uh, and she was like, Hey, Richie would like you to come by and, uh, you know, afterwards and maybe we'll, uh, you know, sing a couple songs. And Whoa. It, hey, again, this is a situation where I, it's, there's just three of us there. It's me, Candace and Richie, and I'm singing celluloid heroes with, with <laughs> Candace and so that's what I was listening to last night. I was listening to uh, Richie, followed by three or four of uh, Blackmore Nights, Blackmore's Night songs, and then I finally made it to my hotel. Wow, oh, that's wow, wow. world. That's that's yeah. awesome. <laughs> cool, right? Yeah. All right. Well, Nick has lived a weird life, mm-hmm. just like you, Aaron. You guys have some interesting stories. Well, you know, you. <laughs> you about how I was working on my handwriting so it looked like Santa's, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, have you seen Have you seen any of the ones I've done? They're good. I might have to no, wait. but I, I no. I, I you've I've sent you Santa videos on Christmas Eve before. Yes, you like those. So yes. I send uh, <laughs> I, I send uh, two letters over. Hopefully, Richie's kids aren't watching this. And Candace has informed me about a few things, so I know which bird sanctuary they went to. And Santa was right there. He didn't. You didn't see him. I was behind. Whatever it was, but. I'm telling them things that only Santa would know. And uh, Candace says to me, like, Richie doesn't impress easily. Richie was so impressed by your writing to the point where he thought it was a font. You know, like, he, <laughs> he thought that it was something. Wow. I did the same thing with Nita Strauss. Wrote her a letter wow. thanking her for, uh, you know, jamming with my son. And she was like, well, this is cool, but why is Mick hiring somebody to write a letter from, and then her, her, her boyfriend, Josh is like, Nita, that's Mick's handwriting. And so that's wow. the thing where, you know, oh, you the time into it and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, people, they appreciate that. And I love the part of the idea of being part of somebody's, memories so they put, mm. they put that letter in a box uh you know they break it out they remember the letter in a way that they might not remember a fleeting moment on video yeah i i love awesome. that I, ha- I too have my own font it is not readable um but it's definitely my own font <laughs> uh, awesome. <laughs> okay you can take because two more real quick ones when one I item from the bathroom again, oh you again will you show me how to take my writing so this would be yeah, this would be like on this book. This would be my my writing, you know, the, the Foley Chronicles. Yeah, that's beautiful. That's, that's my, oh yeah, that so, is beautiful. Uh, this is a good writing. It takes a, it takes a while. It definitely includes some effort. It's like Will calligraphy. You, show me how to turn but... it into a font. Uh, you can make your own font actually. I know. Mm. I don't know how to yeah. do. Yeah, 
Yeah, I can show you that. <laughs> okay, you can take one item from your bathroom to this deserted island, and it's not toilet paper because, you know, people don't have that. So what from would you take with you? bathroom? Mm -hmm. uh, it's it's, it's got to be the Febreze air freshener. You got to be. <laughs> got to take care of that answer. island, you yep. know? Yep. Yeah, you got a tropical island scent in a twist of irony. Like the, the tropical. Island. You can't have the other. You can't have like the meerkats go. Ooh, ah, yeah. No, no. <laughs> no. Now Trevor Murdoch wanted to bring his toothbrush. I like yeah. your answer better. No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Last but not least, on the screen that is the palm trees on this deserted island, you can watch one movie over and over again. What would you choose? It's not a movie, but it is a 1960 Twilight episode called Night of Meek with Art. Oh, you got to watch it, April. It's on. Uh, I love Twilight. Oh, it's 1960. What's super cool about it is they were going over budget, and so they had mm -hmm. to cut down on the staging and the lighting. There's mm -hmm. even a part where Art Car Carney, who's a down on his luck Santa Claus, you can tell he's botching his lines and he's picking up the pieces and going. Mm -hmm. uh, and it only makes it better. It makes it look, it looks like a Broadway play. It's Art Carney as a down on his luck department store Santa Claus who finds a magic bag that allows him to pretty much give everybody what is in their heart's desire. It's really, it's everything that's great about Christmas and even, you know, on a bigger level, it's great about, you know, uh, giving uh, to others. And it's got a summation that gives me goosebumps every time that should they ever try to do a Hollywood big budget episode of it would, would not be as effective because what we imagine in our head is far more impressive than if they were to put it up there in CGI. Hmm. I just wrote down right. Art Carney Twilight Christmas. Very cool. <laughs> 60s. Awesome. I'll Night find it. The Meek. Night of the Meek. The Meek. Night of the Meek. And I. M E E K. Uh, mm -hmm. So. Yeah. Th this is this is a. This is my font. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so have you um you you have so seen Black Mirror right? The last the last line of this uh, book I did for my kids says and i can show you as that classic 1960 twilight zone episode said um there is a special power reserved for little people in short there is nothing mightier than the meek so mm. yeah uh, pretty cool right I like it. awesome yes. 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 Nick, thank you again yeah thank you that is yeah. a, a a nice note to end on thank you for coming on to discuss what you're doing and how generous you are. Thank you for, you know, pushing Daphne's fundraisers, you know, for NAMI and, and the CTE uh, over the top with your, with your extreme generosity. Thank you for taking the time to be on here. Not over the 20 or 30 minutes that we said we would a lot. For we did. We, we did. Have, probably, yeah. yeah. Thank you though. So much. Yeah. So <laughs> um, Nick, you know what? You, you are making so much of a difference and you, you, you make, you're making a difference on so many different levels and in so many different things. And it's just, it's inspirational. So genuinely again, yeah. thank you. And I appreciate it. Do the favor of pointing to me as I point to you. <laughs> I don't, you know, I don't have my glasses here, but please, right, ready? 
There we go. There we go. There, there you go. I, I'm Mick Dow. I'm not Mick Dow. So, hey, thanks so much for having me on. I really appreciate Thank it. you. you Keep it. making Thank the you. world a better place as you have been doing. I'll, tr I'll so. try. Thank you. Right. Okay. Thank you. Right. That was awesome. Wow. I, uh, cool. I'm so glad he could join us. Thanks and to all of you who have joined us too. And we apologize for the delay with travel. You never know how it's going for people. So thank you for being patient and hanging in there. Mm. Yes. Thank you all. Um, again, you know what, if you like the show, tell a friend, if you don't tell an enemy, um, what a great episode. Uh, again, great to connect with Mick again, but just, um, you know, look, if, if anyone out there, and like we said, you know, struggling with, you know, the, the thought of suicide or, or knows anyone struggling with it, just it's, um, it's never easy. We all know that, but mm -hmm. reach out, please take a deep yeah. breath. Understand that in that moment, although there may seem to be absolutely no light, there is. And the fact that you're still there, the fact that e even taking that one deep breath, because you know what? If you have nothing else to lose, it shows you do have some control. And if you can do that, you can take another breath. And then you hmm. can take another one after that and another one after that. So people are there. You're not alone. We're here for you. We're in your corner. And um, yeah, that's all I have to say. Can I add something too? Please. Um Two things, actually. I'm not, I'm not gonna. Yeah, I'm not gonna thank undersell. You, yeah, thank you. I'm not gonna undersell counseling therapy or you know, psych, getting a psychologist for help because a lot of people don't do it because they have a preconceived notion of what it's about. First off, finding a good therapist is like trying on shoes. You might not. The first pair might not be right for you. The first therapist or two might not fit well with you. So you might have to try a few. So you might not have a good experience from before, you know, try a few therapists, find the one that fits and then understand this. This is the big deal. This is a service you are paying for. I'm going to repeat that. Therapy is a service you are paying for. So get the most out of it. Do not feel bad about anything you're saying. Get the most out of it. Use it. You're putting your money toward it get it. And the, you know, the other thing is I have a friend that works in suicide hotlines. You guys may have met, you know, seen him, Jamie, he was on the Daphne show. If you guys have not seen our tribute to Daphne, you can go to patreon.com. Uh, the a show. It is a free show on there. Jamie, uh, tells me about some of his calls. The suicide hotline people are there to listen. They do honestly want to help. They are trained to help. Um, so if you don't have anyone to talk to, call them because they can help you find the light at the end of the tunnel. They can help you find the hope that you might not be able to find at that particular moment. So they're, because they are used to, uh, dealing with crises and they look at things from a completely different perspective. So don't hesitate to reach out to someone, anyone you know, who can help you handle this. Okay. And that is just what I wanted to add. So. Amen. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you. 
Thank you for joining us today. Uh, maybe I will see some of you people, you good people this weekend. My first trip uh, to the Northeast for, uh, in a while. Uh, Wrestling Universe on Saturday in Queens and then somewhere in Allentown on Sunday. And then a, a um, what are those signings called where you do it online and they watch you? Virtual signings. A virtual signing. I'm doing that also. Uh, I will post all that information on my social media and hopefully I will get to meet some of you in person and online. Mm -hmm. That would be fantastic. Mm -hmm. And we look forward to seeing you hopefully next week here, Tuesday night, 730. We are live right here on Twitch and you can also find us on Patreon. So the A show. Go ahead, Aaron. You can close us out. Oh, I said it before. I'll say it again. If you like the show, tell a friend. If you don't, tell an enemy, and we're signing off. Yep. Mm.